We are in a sermon series right now uh, called Repeat After Me, and uh, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. So you saw it read again um, in, in several different languages, uh, and, and I, here's what I love about that video is it shows people praying throughout their daily walk. They're actually praying in their, in their life. They're, it's just a constant conversation with God, which is really what prayer should be. Uh, we've been talking about this. I, I don't think there's any... We, I think it's important to look at the Lord's Prayer. I think this has been a great series for me to understand uh, all the sections of the Lord's Prayer and kind of how we can uh, personalize this and, and, and activate some of these things in our own life and our way of approaching God. But there's no wrong way to pray. Uh, in fact, some of the best prayers are prayers that children do. And I, I collected a couple of these. Some of these are kind of funny. So these are some children's prayers. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, when I'm big, get big, but not with so much hair all over. I think my kids probably wrote that one. God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. I'm Joyce. Dear God, I think the stapler is one of your greatest inventions. I agree with that. Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? Some good logic to that one. Dear God, did you get, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? We've all wondered that. So, so just to say, there's no right or wrong way. You know, God is our Father, and, and I do believe that anytime we pray to God, it, it pleases His heart. Um, and so, I, what I don't want you to get the message from this sermon series, I don't want you to leave this thinking, wow, wow, that's so complicated. I've got to have all these elements to my prayer. No, prayer is just you approaching God. But I think there are some, some principles that we can look at in the Lord's Prayer that, that are powerful and, and can help us approach God and, and to seek his will in even greater ways in our lives. Um, we are in, we've been going basically through, there's five verses that make up the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we've been going verse by verse. This week, we're going to be looking at this section, uh, which is uh, powerful and very, very challenging. It's, it says this, forgive us, this is Matthew 5, verse 12, forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. Now, this part of the Lord's Prayer is, is maybe one of the most important. It's all important. It's all great. But here's why I think that this uh, is a really important section. After he's done, Jesus does his own Bible commentary on this section. So when he, when he finishes the Lord's Prayer, he goes back to this verse, okay? So he goes back, and in verse 14, he says, If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will, for, will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. Did you hear that? I think it bears repeating. If you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. So this gets right down to the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't think of unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people as that big of a deal. Okay, if I don't forgive, I, as long as I have the basics of Christianity, uh, you know, we, we think, what, what makes a Christian? What makes somebody a follower of Jesus? Uh, is it that they believe a long list of doctrines? Um, do you have to believe the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection and this whole list of that you have in the Apostles' Creed? And if you believe all those things, is that what makes you a Christian? Is that what makes you a follower of Jesus? Well, I don't think so. In fact, if you look at it, um, when Jesus was, was about to ascend into heaven, so when he was um, 
his, he had died, he had risen again, and he was going to go into heaven, and this was, he, this was basically the birth of the church, where he was going to give the final instructions. Did, did Jesus say this? Did Jesus say, go into all nations and make believers in abstract religious concepts? Go into all nations and create theologians. No, he didn't. He said, go and make what? Do you remember the word? Disciples. Now, that's some, for some people, that's kind of insider church language. A disciple, a disciple is somebody who follows. And so when we say that we're followers of Jesus, we're saying that we follow in the ways that Jesus lived. And if we look at Jesus' life and his teachings, forgiveness was a huge part of it. And I, I hope we can all remember the fact that living with unforgiveness, it doesn't just make you a bad Christian. It means you are not a follower of Jesus. That's what the scripture says. And I say this also, it's hard and none of us are perfect at it. But it, it, it's right at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is you are forgiven and so you are to forgive. Uh, in, in Jesus' teaching, this was a huge, important concept this idea of forgiveness, it was a major value of his teaching. In Matthew 18, we read this. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my, bro my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive them as many as seven times? And here's what I think Peter was trying to do. I think he was, for one, bragging, because I think he felt like, well, I forgive people. I forgive them even up to seven times. But then also kind of asking if he could be off the hook. Like, after that, though, right? We were, I could forgive... Forgive him seven times, but after that, I'm not going to get walked on again, right? And Jesus has a really interesting answer. Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. This is the Tim Power translation, but what I think Jesus is getting to is forgive them faster than they can offend you. Here's the thing. G uh, Peter was asking Jesus about forgiving a brother or sister. That, so that's somebody close to you, somebody you love. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus actually goes further than this. And he says this, You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you to court and take your shirt, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give, the, give to those who ask... And don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You have heard it said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you. Now, here's what fascinates me about this passage. If you look at it historically, um, this idea of the eye for the eye, uh, so th this comes out of the book of Exodus. Um, so this is an Old Testament principle for the Hebrew people. Um, it sounds kind of brutal, right? Have you ever heard an eye for an eye? And it makes us think of like a really brutal culture. However, this at the time, in this ancient world, you can't imagine how brutal the, 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 the culture was. And so if, if somebody stole your goat, it was not that big of a deal if you went and killed their family and burned down their house. Okay, That was what they were dealing with. It was so brutal in that time and place. And so when, when this concept of an eye for an eye came along, it, it, to them, this seemed like the most kind and merciful way to deal with things. You're talking about punishing in proportion to, to an offense or a crime. And so it was, it was actually very merciful. But then Jesus, like everything, Jesus takes it further. 
okay? And so he's saying, no, not just, you, you, not an eye for an eye, but, but you're actually going to love these people who are your enemies. And, and think about this. They were in a culture that said, and it was very tribal, okay? Very tribal, and if, if, if you were outside, think about how the, the Jews uh, treated the Samaritans, who were actually uh, a related people group, but they treated them terribly. If you were outside of the tribe, I can hate you. That's not even bad. That's not even wrong at the time. And Jesus says, no, I want you to love those who hate you and pray for those that persecute you. It turned everything on its head. It was such a revolutionary teaching. And actually, as much as we quote it, it's one of the least popular passages amongst Christians because it sounds good on paper, but when you really try to do it, it's hard. Can I get an amen? It is hard. Well, one, one of the first things people tend to say if you say that forgiveness is a prerequisite for kingdom living, for, for following in the ways of Jesus, um, when you say that or when you tell somebody that they must forgive, a lot of times people say uh, a, a line, I, it was, I think it was a line from that song, which is, I can't believe, but you won't believe what they've done. You don't know what this person has done to me. And before anybody throws up uh, this or other valid reasons and objections of why you shouldn't forgive, what I, what I want to do is clarify a couple of things really quick about what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not. First, forgiveness is not denial. It's not pretending that the offense didn't occur, and it's not acting like the other person didn't hurt you. It doesn't mean that you don't even, it also doesn't mean that you don't let that person know how they've hurt you. It's not sweeping it under the rug, okay? An important thing for us to try to get out of this, and, 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 and this is the real key to, to the teaching this morning, is this. Forgiveness cannot change your past, but it will change your future. Forgiveness will not change your past, but it will change your future. The second thing forgiveness is not is forgiveness is not exoneration, Okay? Forgiving someone doesn't mean that the offender should not face consequences for their actions. So if you steal my car, I can forgive you, but you're going to jail. And to get even more serious about it, the, uh, who's seen this trending up? Uh, me too. Hashtag me too. All over Twitter, everywhere. Um, our culture is suddenly, uh, surprisingly just now, coming to a realization that, that, that many people, uh, on, on sometimes even a daily basis, uh, even in their own homes or in their workplaces, uh, are met with abuse from other people. Now, when we talk about forgiveness, and what I want to be uh, explained is key, is it's not exoneration. And so if you're in an abusive relationship, forgiveness does not mean that you cannot get out of that situation and be in a safe place. You can forgive, but maybe forgiving also means a, a certain amount of space from a person that is abusing you and, and, and keeping you in an unsafe place. So it, it does not mean exoneration, okay? The third thing forgiveness is not is it's not a response to remorse. This is, this is a tough one. Some people think that you can only forgive someone if they've asked for forgiveness. And if that is uh, an ingrained thing you have in your brain, please get some pliers and pluck it out of your hippocampus, because that is not forgiveness. See, unforgiveness, your unforgiveness, if somebody doesn't even think they need your forgiveness, do you know who your unforgiveness is hurting? Just you. 
Your unforgiveness is only hurting you. That person doesn't even think about it, but it's tearing you apart. Um, I think about it like this. Uh, unforgiveness is kind of like a seed, and it, when, when it's planted, it gives birth to a plant called bitterness. And if you're familiar with bitterness, I think about it like ivy. Um, we have ivy at our house, and when we, when we first were moving in, we had to get a building and uh, uh, housing inspection. And so the inspector came and said, oh, this is a problem. You've got ivy. And I was like, that little plant is a problem? Why is that plant a problem? It looks pretty. Um, and it said, well, the problem is when it grows up under your, your uh, siding and it can grow into cracks in your, your foundation, it can tear everything apart. You know, this, this seemingly weak little plant that I can tear up easily uh, when it's this small can actually wrap around everything else and it can destroy a powerful concrete structure. That's like bitterness in our lives is that it gets in and it grows and grows and it becomes so intertwined with us and it destroys us from the inside out. C.S. Lewis has a really great thought experiment about showing us how bitterness can change us, how it can make us hate people and think the worst about people. And I'm going to put this up. It's, it's a little bit long, but I think it's important. Suppose one reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper. Feels like we do that every day, right? Then suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite so bad as it was made out. Is one's feeling, well, thank God, even they aren't quite so bad as that? Or is it a feeling of disappointment and even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking your enemies as bad as possible? If it is the second, then it is, I am afraid, the first step in a process which, if followed to its end, will make us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. If we give that wish its head, later on we shall wish to see gray as black and then see white itself as black. Finally, we shall insist on seeing everything, God and our friends and ourselves included, as bad and not able to stop doing it and not be able to stop doing it. We shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred." If we let bitterness in, it will consume us from the inside out. So how do we do this thing called forgiveness? I, um, I, actually, I actually went to counseling uh, about a year ago, and, and I was having some unforgiveness issues. Um, really, really tough stuff. And I remember sitting in uh, w- with, with this Christian counselor and um, him saying, well, have you forgiven? And I, I said, what does that mean? What, is, what does that even mean? forgiveness. And, and he said, well, what do you think it means? That's what they always say. Well, well how do you feel about that? Ah. So I just had this struggle internally. What, what does it actually mean to forgive? What, how do I know that I've done it? I can say it, but I don't feel it. And uh, uh, I believe, I believe he, he gave me some good advice, which is just this, that sometimes right action precedes right emotion. So you might not feel something, but sometimes taking an action, taking a step, will actually precede it. Do you ever have to force yourself to smile? Um, have you ever noticed this, that if you force yourself to smile, after a couple seconds of doing it, it kind of changes how you feel? It's kind of a... Uh, um, uh, just doing an action sometimes will change how we feel. Now, 
Jesus gives us an action step that we can take for people. If, if we don't feel like we can forgive, what he says we can do, it comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I say to you, love your enemies, and this is the action step. Pray for those who harass you. In some translations say, pray for those who persecute you. And I know how hard this can be. Um, when I was going through this myself, it was hard to even pray. Now, maybe you think, I could pray. Yes, I'll pray that God will crush my enemies, and I'll pray that, you know, God will bring destruction upon their house. No, but he's saying to love and to pray for them. He, he's not praying their destruction. So um, let me give you a real simple prayer that you can pray. and Maybe it's one of the most merciful things you could pray. Um, again, this, this is a good prayer that doesn't deny anything that's been wrong to you, but could you pray? God, help them to know you. God, help this person to know you. And when you pray that, here's the thing. It might be hard, and you might be doing it not feeling it at all, but if you do it a little bit every day, a little bit every day, it'll change your heart. It'll, forgiveness will become something that, that you can actually feel when you put the action before the feeling. And just like any kind of prayer, even if it never changes that person, it's going to change you. It's going to change you. Pray, God, help this person to know you. Help them to know you. Day by day by day, that's an action you can take. I'm going to invite the band up to the stage, um, and I'm going to share a story with you. And this is a hard story, and... Um, a difficult one, so I'm going to try to make it through without crying. I didn't do it last time, so in the last service. On October 2nd, 2006, in, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, a shooting occurred at an Amish one-room schoolhouse. There was a gunman named uh, Charles, Car Charles Carl Roberts. He was a milk truck dri driver and actually delivered milk to the, the Amish community there and, and so knew a lot of the families. Um, so Roberts took hostages, let all the adults leave and all, all the, the boys leave. So there were just girls aged 6 through 13, 10 of them. He killed five uh, before committing suicide in the schoolhouse. Uh, before he actually started shooting anyone, two sisters, Barbara and Marion. Um, Barbara was 13, Marion was 11. They went to him together um, and said, could you just please shoot us and let everybody else go? Uh, and Roberts did shoot them. They were the first to, to be shot and, and killed. Um, but they weren't the last. He, he uh, like I said, he shot eight girls. Uh, and five of them died before the gunman took his own life. It was a completely senseless act that shattered the hearts of the Amish community in Lancaster County. Um, on, one, uh, on the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some relatives not to hate the killer. We must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he's standing before a just God. Uh, Jack Meyer, who was a member of the Amish community, explained, I don't think there's anybody here who wants to do anything but forgive and not only reach out to those who have suffered a loss in that way, but to reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts 
uh, a Roberts family spokesperson, so this Roberts was the, the, the man who committed the shooting, a Roberts family spokesperson said an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited and comforted Robert's widow, parents, and parents-in-law. One Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms, reportedly for as long as an hour to comfort him. The Amish also set up a charitable fund for the family of the shooter. About 30 members of the Amish community attended Robert's funeral. And Marie Roberts, the widow of the killer, was one of the only outsiders invited to the, the funerals of the victims. <sighs> who loves like that? Who forgives like that? Uh, there, were, there were some, some people who uh, were outraged that the Amish community would do this uh, for the reason I brought up earlier, which was that uh, this man didn't ask forgiveness. And then they were a question, well, why would you forgive him when he didn't even ask forgiveness? Um, and, and the response was just this. We're just trying to live like Jesus. We're just trying to live like Jesus. If you would just close your eyes for a minute, and, and probably many of us have a, a person who, whose face has been popping up when we talk about forgiveness, somebody who's harmed us or, or hurt us or... Um, abused us in some way and it's hard to let go and I understand that but sometimes we just do a right action before we can feel like forgiveness is manifest so right now if we could just in our own space and you're, where you're at um, we'll just have a couple minutes of quiet and a little bit of music playing and I want you to ask God Lord, help them to know you. Lord, help this person who's abused me, who's hurt me, who's offended me. Help them to know you. So let's just, let's in our own space, let's just, let's seek the Lord and, and, and let's seek his forgiveness in our lives and for those who have trespassed against us. <laughs> 